And joining us now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, is our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning, Karen. Good morning, everyone. I apologize for my voice. I have uh, I have uh, contracted the creature somewhere along the line. Oh. It's been a long time since I have one, so I think it was definitely my turn. It's been years, and I had my hand raised, too. I was hoping to be the seventh <laughs> caller and say Simon and Garfunkel and win a big uh, prize or a large pizza or something there. So Sorry. <laughs> I uh, when we were in college, we used to try that because I don't know. We were uh, we used to call in. We were never ever. We never got an answer. Even <laughs> somebody saying nice try, or I don't know if they had our number blacklisted or how they could even tell in those days who was calling. So then we gave up. There was a. Uh, Oh, we didn't think of them as far-right fellas, but there was one that had a show up in where we went to school. And, of course, we were uh, college students, uh, had nothing, so we would call this poor guy and just torment him on a daily basis, take turns calling in. And, and uh, <laughs> oh, no. it was, it, yeah, he'd hang up on us every time. You well, know, was this live on the air about. then, Al, or, or, or what? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, my. Yeah, and, and so it was. Uh, it was. It was fun. We just had such a good time doing that. It was. Bef- and uh, he was. He wasn't a nice fella. I oh. mean, he didn't treat us kindly or anything. So it, we didn't have to feel too bad about tormenting him. And he went on to bigger and better things elsewhere. Well, so it was before that. the days of the caller ID, so he probably never knew who you were, so they couldn't, you know, go after he you. He didn't, you know. But you talk to a screener. And she knew, oh. but I think she liked us, you know, because <laughs> she was young and around our age, so she'd just say this, you know, I'll send them through and they will torment him yet another day. And so that was, uh, it was good. And one of my roommates sadly just passed away. His oh. name was Keith Wakefield, and he was the, uh, he was the uh, farm boy, he lived just down, he was my neighbor growing up, and he was one of the prime tormentors of oh. this fellow. So <laughs> But I still want. I think we trained him, and he uh, he never he never thanked us. But I think we were the ones that sent him off to bigger and better things. Oh my! <laughs> it's a, another top shelf Tuesday. Oh, you know, I talked to a guy the other day, and he said it's he was sick and tired of winter. It was forty-seven degrees, and oh. the sun was working. I I don't know how. They, I, I'm guessing he wasn't from Minnesota originally, because uh, no good Minnesotan would say, I am sick and tired of winter when it's around 50 degrees. Right. We'd be out there doing yippee like a cowboy riding with Roy Rogers. I'd like to uh, thank the Elberly Seed House, the Park Avenue Authors, and the Elberly Audubon for allowing me to be involved in their wonderful doings. Happy birthday a week late to our good friend TJ there in St. Peter. Uh, a nice listener asked how to set the diopter last week, and I fumbled my way off through <laughs> somewhere and probably confused her for the rest of her life. But I did send her a thing that I have written about it and also a link to a video on it. So. And she said she understood that, so because there's no way she could have understood what I was babbling about. Uh, St. John's Lutheran Community in Albert Lee has announced the addition of an eagle camera 
for its uh, widely followed eagle's oh. nest at its Fountain Lake campus. And I stop there quite a bit and talk to those good folks, and they are just so excited each year about the eagle nest and how many eggs and how many eaglets. And so now they will have a camera for that, and I'll uh, be getting some more information on it. it will this I be the one that's broadcast that everybody can watch anytime then, or, or not? I believe it will be, yeah. Oh, nice. And uh, at least that's their intentions. And like I say, they're going to let me know when more stuff comes out on it. Okay. I put out some peanuts in the shell for the birds, uh, the blue jays. They come in and they weigh the peanuts. They pick them up like little barbells. And after some consideration, they take the heaviest ones first because there's more food in those. And my wife says, look, those blue jays are just a bit smarter than you are. <laughs> uh, she's not giving them enough credit, I don't think. They, they're way more than a bit smarter than I am. I imagine that blue jay, though, he looks at those peanuts and says to itself, wow, I am rich. <laughs> and a listener from Connecticut says she places peanuts in plain sight scattered around her yard. Then she watches how quickly the blue jays find the goobers. She said it doesn't take them very long. And, you know, jays notice anything different in their world. That's how they survive. And like most birds, when we get into this time of year, they just spend all their time looking for food. That's their job, look for food. I examined a rotting stump on my walk the other day. It was evidence of a tree gone by, and the crows squawked a lot while I was doing that. I don't know, you know, they people squawk a lot, so I guess crows are just a lot like us, or we're not like crows, maybe. And the crows kept their eyes on me. It's part of their job description, and they've learned that humans are always up to something, and we think the same thing about crows. A wild turkey hen is preening on our deck. An adult turkey has five to 6,000 feathers, and she appears intent on sprucing up every feather her bill can reach. And she might have been counting them. And here's, a, here's a, the big nature lesson of the day. You can tell a female turkey's poop from a male's. What? That's right. I'm going to tell you how. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. This is, uh, you don't learn this on uh, Channel 12 News. That's a handy skill to have. It will astound your family when you share this bit of knowledge at next year's Thanksgiving meal. And you can just say, take that, Aunt Agatha, who she claims to have once shaken hands with Ross Perot. This will top her and shut her up for a while. The female scat is clumpier, rounder, potentially curly or spiraled. It's green-brown with white uric acid on the surface. The male scat, both from the jake and the tom, the jake is a young male and the tom's an older male, is long, narrow, and straight, and sometimes with a J shape at the curved end. Hmm. And the larger diameter, the older the bird. So you can throw that in while you're eating the stuffing. <laughs> the hen keeping me company has no beard. And you say, well, why would a hen have a beard? Uh, turkey beards start growing when poults are five months old, and they keep growing throughout their lives. They're permanent and not replaced during molts. The older the male, the longer the beard. Turkeys can lose their beards 
Oh, a vitamin deficiency result in the beard being sheared off. They could snap it off from the weight of snow and ice it collects. Or it may be fraying from being dragged on the ground. And some toms grow more than one beard. The National Turkey Wildlife Federation found one tom had 13 beards. The longest beard was on a turkey in Texas, of course. And it was 22 and a half inches long. 22 and a half inches long. And, of course, that turkey played a guitar with a band ZZ Top. You might have seen it. If you look at some of the videos, you can see that turkey in the background with a long beard. But why, I said, uh, why would a hen have a beard? There is a less prominent version of the beard that occurs on 10 to 20% of females. So sometimes you might see one, you think it's a Jake, a young male, but it could certainly be a female. Hmm. Uh, This time of year, uh, I talked to somebody the other day, they're packing up and they're leaving. They're headed down south and then they're coming back for Christmas and then they're heading back down south again. So they had something down there they needed to take in. But it's the time of the year when visions of Arizona and Texas and Florida dance in people's heads. And I remember an un, when an unmitigated gull stole my hot dog and laughed at me. I spoke at a thing in Florida. I call it work, and my family and friends say well, it's bloviating. And I was out <laughs> on the beach because there was a beach there. It's just hard to avoid beaches in Florida. It was a shore thing. And I lacked a laser pointer, so I used my hot dog as a pointer, as any sane man would do when pointing out a bird. And a gull took that as an invitation to have a bite. And it snagged it from my hand, but struggled to carry it away, even though I had taken a bite to lessen the weight for the gull. And it dropped the tasty morsel, mustard and all, which was greedily consumed by its bickering followers who numbered more than those of Elon Musk. And a kerfuffle, or maybe a hullabaloo, ensued. The gulls laughed at my unwanted dietary restriction. They laughed because they were laughing gulls. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I didn't ask, but I doubt the hot dog vendor offered refunds on pilfered frankfurters, and who carries insurance for that sort of thing anyway? Amos Vogel, a friend from Morgan, Minnesota, said, Good day, folks. A couple of years ago, maybe three, I had a very industrious mouse, mice, meese decide they were going to do some creative internal work on one of my pickups. After getting that corrected... The next year, I hadn't moved the same pickup in three weeks, and I saw a red squirrel run under the same pickup but not run out the other side. So I went to start the truck. It would not start. I popped the hood to find a nest and over 500 walnuts under the hood. I said, I'll bet you never heard of that kind of motor. I cleaned most of them out. I let the hood up, and he came back and got the rest out. At least he cleaned up after himself. Well, that was a nice ending to it. Uh, Jerry Victor of Allendale said, Greetings. I have a question. We have numerous cardinals in our yard for years now. Have not seen any since this summer. Where have all the cardinals gone to? Wishing you and your family a Merry Christmas. Uh, Same to you, Jerry. By late summer, when nesting is over and cardinals 
they relax the defense of their territorial boundaries. The birds sing less, and they start to form flocks. And they don't migrate, but they can expand their range while foraging for food. They determine where to spend the winter. The flocks are ever-changing. They're dependent on weather and available resources. Uh, Jerry, if you continue to offer food and water, they are likely to make return visits. I hope they will. I stopped at a friend's place, Phil Morheim, who uh, in my youth, he was a young fellow who would come out and fix a tile on our farm. Uh, And his place... You know, when we get those Christmas cards with the evergreen with 97 cardinals in it, Mm -hmm. they must take them all at Phil's place. (laughs) He has the whole neighborhood, all the cardinals in the neighborhood are at his place. So if you don't have any cardinals, I'd say blame Phil because he's got them. It's just a beautiful place, and I stop there each year just to, well, to talk to Phil because I like him, but just to take pictures of all those cardinals. And the they split up a little bit. The males are more dominant in the winter. They're not sweetie pies like they are the rest of the year. So you can get one tree that's just all male cardinals in it. So it's uh, I wish you, uh, Jerry Victor from Ellendale, I wish you a Christmas of cardinals. So how does he get them all uh, in his yard is what I want to know. What is it about? Is it the trees? Is it the food he offers? Or, or what do you think? I've grilled him, oh. and he will not. <laughs> so. I, I'd have to. I think I'd have to revert to waterboarding for oh. him, really, to tell me what. I, and I, I don't know. I might have to do that, you know, to see how it goes. I think a lot of it is where he, you know, location, location, location. Mm. So he's got a nice location, and he feeds them like he's readying them for market. It's his wow. joy to sit down in the, the lower level of his house, and he can watch all the animals come up right in front of his big windows. And he said it's just relaxing and fun, and it's, it's all good. So I, probably a combination of those two. He has a lot of trees. So there's a lot of place for them to hide, and he has some tangles that cardinals like uh, to find security and shelter there. So, okay. And plus, he's just a good guy, and everybody likes him, so I think that includes cardinals. <laughs> Adam Knutson of Mankato, and I know I've talked to Adam about this. I'm always worried I'm getting his name wrong. I talked to somebody. I did research. And I talked to somebody that knew somebody with the same last name as Adam, and he said it's Knutson. You know, where I grew up here, we have all the Knutsons, so I want to make everything mm-hmm. Knutson. And Adams is uh, new, like K-N-E-W-T-S-O-N. So I'm going to go with Knutson, Adam, and I, you know, I'm probably wrong. Adam's from Mankato and a wonderful guy. He said we have a pair of pillated woodpeckers hanging out on our place on Reeds Lake. Very fun to watch them fly through the trees like wood ducks in flooded timber. Each year, uh, Karen, we do a little bit of this. What do you give somebody that really likes nature, likes being outside? You know, your undying appreciation, I think, is a wonderful thing to give them. Just, you know, go up and just maybe bow down for a little while and uh, get over that. But I think they'd appreciate that. There are so many wonderful gifts. And uh, the birds come already wrapped, so share your love of them with another. There's... uh, 
I like free apps. You know, if you're a cheap guy and you say, man, these things are free, I'm giving these to everybody I know. There you go. It's still nice because not everybody knows about them. The Audubon Bird Guide app on your cell phone or iPad or um, Android device, and the Merlin Bird ID app, and that is from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. They're free, and they come in handy on a cell phone. It's a field guide in your pocket or tablet. Uh, again, I tell everybody, check your storage space available before downloading them, you know, because we, oh, we tend to collect apps like they're going out of style. And uh, what do they tell us we should do it? Like every month or so, just go through and say, I don't even know what that app is, and just get rid of some of them. The Audubon app offers detailed descriptions. Uh, oh, I know there's over 800 birds on there. They have their bird songs, color photos. There's a search function for identifying a bird by song type or pattern, wing shape, time of year, by state, locomotion, and more. Uh, there are up-to-date range maps with wintering maps for many migrating birds. And those are handy because you say, boy, didn't I just see a Townsend solop there? Are they even available here? And you can go on there and say, well, they are. They are seen here occasionally. The Merlin app allows you to answer three simple questions. Well, we all like those three simple questions about a bird you're trying to identify, and Merlin gives you a list of possible matches. Uh, sometimes they're really good, and sometimes you say, Merlin, what have you been drinking there? I don't know. <laughs> it. But the thing I really like there is this sound ID that listens to the birds around you and shows real-time suggestions for what is singing. So you can turn on the Merlin app, go to this uh, sound ID, and just point it towards the birds that are singing, and it'll just record them and say, you know, you're hearing a song sparrow. You can compare your recordings to the songs and calls in Merlin to confirm what you've heard. And again, it's uh, it's still improving all the time, so occasionally there will certainly be their mistakes. But, uh, you know, we make mistakes when we try to identify birds, too. So why wouldn't Merlin, even though he is a magician... If you take a photo of a bird or pull one from your camera roll, Merlin's photo ID offers you a short list of potential matches. The photo ID works offline, so you can identify birds in the photos no matter where you are. And Merlin has the capability of building a digital scrapbook of your birding memories with Save My Bird. Tap, this is my bird, each time you identify a bird. And Merlin adds it to your growing life list and many other wonderful field guides. There's Sibley and Peterson. They're all, they are all wonderful. I will say that the the rest there are a, a there is a, a payment required. So if you more of a big spender than a cheap guy, you can get one of those for somebody, and they will just they'll be amazed how how wonderful you are. Have you tried uh, any of these? Have you tried any and all of these, or some of these you just know about? All of them. Yeah. Oh, you have. Oh, I shouldn't say all of them. I'm sure there's some new ones. You know, there's always things coming out that I have not tried. Oh, okay. So, but I. You know, the Audubon and Merlin, for the price, you know, zero. I don't know how you can go wrong on those. They they really work well, and okay. I'm just happy to use them. And I do bird walks with people, and I use them there. Because, you know, if you're 
got a bunch of kids and you're walking with them, it's really good to have a digital thing to show them. Yes. And I kind of... Dr- I, I would drag my feet for years on that because I said, you know, I looked at a book. <laughs> they can look at a book. They don't need to have. But then all of a sudden I figured out if I open that book, I get a couple come over and look at it. When I pull out that digital device, I get the whole herd come over <laughs> and looking at it. So uh, uh, it took me a while. But, you know, I don't have to be hit by a meteorite yet to figure some things out. Uh, warm socks. Who doesn't... Uh, who hasn't walked or gone somewhere in the winter and say, you know, I would give my kingdom for warm socks right now if I could just have some warm socks. So you can never have too many warm socks or warm gloves or warm mittens. Uh, a cap is nice, and I found that the dorkier a hat looks, the warmer it is. Uh, flip-flop <laughs> mittens I like. My wife gave me some of those. They allow the wearer. Yeah, I can fold back the the mitten part to reveal fingers, fingerless gloves. Uh-huh. So it's nice when I'm out uh, with a spotting scope or my binoculars. Vests. I love vests. I never used to wear vests. I don't know what, what all those years I missed wearing a vest. I love the arm freedom they provide and they're, the heat they provide. They're just great. So I'm trying to make up for that lost time by wearing vests probably too often now. Uh, books. Oh, I enjoy the tactile sensation of paper field guides, and they're all excellent, every single one. I prefer painted birds over photos because I think they lend uh, to identification, lend better to identification. I do like guides covering more than a single state because, you know, not too many of us are tethered in place anymore. We travel around. I I don't live all that far from Iowa. I go there quite often, so it's nice to have a book that just covers more than that. A small book showing only the birds of one state is good for those who do their burning from the kitchen window Hmm. or at a feeder. I know there's a lot of folks that do that. Uh, I advise you to look at field guides in a bookstore before deciding on which one fits because they're not... They're not meant for everybody, and you can figure it out pretty quickly. You say, I like this one, or I don't like this one. A Leatherman, and I bet uh, a lot of folks know what a Leatherman is. It's one of those 19 tools in one. I don't know how many. It's like a Swiss Army knife. It's got all these wonderful things, so they're handy to have. Ice cleats. I was hiking around uh, in Alaska, and a lady fell in front of me. So I helped her up, and she said, thanks. And I said, it's going to be icy. And she says, oh, I'm going to be fine. (laughs) And it was kind of a downhill the way we were going. And I was talking to a friend, and she took off, and she fell again and broke her elbow. Uh, So my wife and I headed to a store that a friend owns, and I got the last pair of ice cleats in there that I could put on my shoes. And they're very nice to have in icy weather. Uh, trekking or hiking poles, snowshoes, and a dependable travel mug, one that doesn't slobber on you when you try to drink <laughs> it. Uh, some of them have that little thing you pop down and you can tip them over and nothing will come out to keep everything in there. I'd like one that hollers at me when I'm about to forget it someplace because you're at a meeting you know, and you're just trying to stay awake and 
finally the chair says, well, that should do it till next month. And I go, oh, man, you're just so happy. You want to get out of there as quick as you can. And then you have to go back like the next day because you left your mug there. I need one that just sends me a text and says, you moron, you <laughs> left me here again. Come and get me. A pocket-sized notebook. I don't think anybody can have too many pocket-sized notebooks. I have a little thing my wife gave me from Levenger that 3 by 5 cards fit into. And I... I uh, I teach writing classes, and the one thing I teach kids about writing and college students is write things down as quick as you possibly can, because it will go away, Mm -hmm. and it will not come back. So it's a pocket-sized notebook, and then a back, a day, or a fanny pack, or whatever else you want to call those things. Binoculars. I get asked a lot about binoculars for gifts. They're, oh, how can I can say, they're easier to buy for a child than for an adult. So if you're going to buy it for an adult, make sure you get a gift receipt or be accompanied by the uh, adult gift recipient at the time of the purchase because it's got to fit their hands and their eyes and it's just so many things come into play there. And lastly, uh, membership in a local Audubon or bird club or nature club, uh, membership at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, the American Birding Association, the Minnesota Ornithologist Union, or the Isaac Walton League, and all the ones that I'm forgetting. And then one of the greatest gifts and stocking stuffers, uh, a state park sticker. Boy, that's something Mm. that gives all year long. Uh, feeders, of course, bird seed or a subscription to oh, something like BWD Magazine, a birding publication. Those are all wonderful gifts that uh, a nature enthusiast would uh, certainly appreciate. I know I would, and, and I know I have. So it's uh, it's a wonderful time of the year. And if you have some other things that you think are great, and I know, Karen, you're an avid gardener, so you have a whole other collection of things come in there to play. All those little tools right. each year, I know, they come out with some kind of new tool to dig up a weed or dig a hole or this change your life and some of them are just you know really good barb and i talk about this on the garden show and the only thing really that i mean there's like one tool that i would recommend for everything and is that is the hori hori knife so that's not new or anything but it just is the best tool for doing pretty much everything and once i discovered that my sister has one now my best friend has one now and so that's that's my recommendation just get a hori hori knife it does pretty much everything and get an get a good one so that's that's my my advice. And you can you, my wife and I use that as well and it is great. And we can use it for protection in case a bear or something comes after us while we're gardening. <laughs> you know it's funny cuz I think about that too as I'm working in the garden, you know, it's dark, it's late at night or whatever. I'm like, well, if anybody tries to attack me, I'll just wield my hori hori knife. <laughs> yep. Yep. And you holler out every so often that you're armed. I got so my hori hori you know. knife. Don't come close. <laughs> Hey, I got a note from uh, Diana in Austin. She says, hi, Al, from Diana in Austin. She says, long time no see. I'm wondering if you clean up under your bird feeders like I've heard you should. I do not. If you've talked about this, I've missed it. Diana is so nice to, to hear from you. She's one of the nicest people on earth. I do take a rake out 
if the sunflower seeds get kind of hulls get kind of thick and scatter them around. So if that's cleaning up, I do, but I don't get the vacuum cleaner or anything like that out there. But I do scatter them around, and it seems to be all right. If you have huge piles of it, they will, uh, they're allelopathic, so they will do in the grass. Uh, makes it difficult for grass to grow around them. So I, I do, sort of. You know, so it, a guy, guy cleaning up. Uh, ladies, you all understand the guy cleaning up thing. It's just we consider it cleaning up. So I got a a nice email from somebody saying, uh, "Where do Canada Jays hide the food they steal from me when I'm camping?" Uh, yeah, we've all had them swipe things, and I've given them things. The Canada Jay is also called the camp robber, whiskey jack, or gray jay. The bird has eyes that seldom miss food, and a friend told me of a Canada Jay swiping a strip of bacon from his frying pan. And Whiskey Jack doesn't derive from tales of this bird hijacking Al Capone's trucks hauling whiskey to a speakeasy. It comes from a Cree name for the bird, which was very close to sounding like Whiskey Jack. And the Whiskey Jack was a sacred figure known as a trickster. But the gregarious Canada Jays hide food in conifer needles. They cram it in the nooks and crannies of tree bark, using their sticky saliva to roll bits of food into gooey packages like ABC, already been chewed gum that we used to put on the bottom of a, a school desk. Uh, tree sap might be an aid, and like other jays that cache food for the winter's larder, Canada jays have terrific visual memories, and they're able to find hidden morsels months, months later. Hey, everyone, man, thanks for listening. You have no idea how happy I am to have you all as listeners. Thanks for sitting on the front porch with us. You know, it's that time of year when Halloween decorations are covered in tinsel, and my lawn is greener in December than it was this summer. I mentioned earlier this fellow said he was sick of winter. It was like 47 degrees and the sun was working, and I assumed he wasn't original Minnesotan. I was about to sneeze because of that sun, and it's called a photic sneeze reflex due to the bright sunlight. One in my family always wore long sleeve shirts. That way he didn't have to carry a handkerchief when the sun was bright. But I had an ah without a chew. I bet some of you had that. You do the ah and the chew never comes. It was disappointing. Where did the chew go? This one went to church potluck in Iowa where a woman told me whose hot dishes I should avoid because the cooks lived along a busy highway that provided a lot of roadkill. Oh. And then she winked as if I'd understand. It was all good just as I hope your day proves to be. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your fine company. Remember, Heartland is well worth driving past. Get out there and do something wild today. Look at a bird. Well, I just wanted to, Al, uh, Al our friend John in New Ulm, had a little message. You I know agree. how you always talk about ringing the bell for the Salvation Army? Yep. He, he says, I don't do the headache-creating predictable bell for the Salvation Army. He says, I have a handbell choir help me out. People love it, and the employees at work Buy Less Headache Pills, Almost Comedy by John. (laughs) (laughs) 
they have given me a uh, like sleigh bells that mm-hmm. I hold in my hand. You put around your wrist, and I sure like them better than those other ringing bells because I would drop those about every fifteen minutes or so. It just and it is true they can be a little be. loud and jarring. So I, that that's good. I'm glad, John, that you have your own handbell choir. It is, and they used to allow every kind of, you know, cowbells and everything else, and the poor people that had to work around Oof. those. I don't know. Yeah, it was. Uh, the I tell the one store, they uh, said, can we look at your bell? And they took the clapper out of it and gave me a $200 check for the Salvation <laughs> Army. So That's a good I'd one. I'd been ringing for eight or ten hours, and they said that was Here, enough. we've got it, yeah. And Diana from, um, from Austin, uh... I read you that question. Well, that question I just looked at, and it was from August. So you've already answered it. And she said, "Hey, that's an old, that's an old question, old message." And oh, well, 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 she had just sent me a couple of nice pictures to wish me a happy birthday. So then I just oh. looked above and saw that note, and I didn't look at the date. So no, Al's not going to think you're you're goofy. Um, I I let him know. So anyhow, there we go. Diana, I'm always, I'm happy to answer your questions. Uh, endless number of times. All right. Well, Alice, great to chat with you. We will be back next week, okay? Look forward to it. All right. Bye-bye.